And then they said, we'll pay you $100 million. And he said, okay. Um, <laughs> and that's a true story. That's not, that is, uh, it's a 50 kilobyte program. And in the APL community, it's regarded as like the most expensive piece of software in the world because it's $2 million per kilobyte of code. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode nine, recorded on January 9th, 2021. My name is Connor, and today with my co-host Bryce, we wrap up the saga of stood, move-only function, and continue our discussion on naming. It's not just symmetry within a language, but it's symmetry across languages. There's many times, like, so one of the best examples is partition. In most languages, partition is very similar to what we have in C++, where you're giving a unary predicate, and then you partition the the, uh, the structure so that those that pass the predicate are at the front, and those that fail are at the back. Many languages have something called partition. Some of them slightly vary because instead of getting back a single vector or whatever data structure you had, you might get back a tuple of two lists. So they split it, and so they they haven't like joined it back together. Um, but closure. Uh, has partition, which is one of the lisps I mentioned, and it does something completely different. It's the equivalent of an algorithm called sliding or windowed. And I just think that's the, those like mistakes like that where there is an extreme amount of like prior art and all you have to do is go and look, I think is it's unfortunate when that happens. And then there's the argument to be made like, well, what if all the prior art is bad? Like, so some people say that filter, like, like that's a bad name because do you filter in or do you filter out? And... I agree with that argument. There is some ambiguity there, but like almost, I, I don't think I found a single language that doesn't filter in. So like if you if you have in Haskell, you know, filter odd, it keeps all the odd elements and the ones that fail to meet the, the predicate uh, get excluded. Almost every single language that I found works this way. And so I would argue that in a new programming language, don't go and reinvent the wheel, just choose filter. Um, some people say, you know, keep if is a better name. Potentially, that is a better name, but do you really want to, you know, I, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on, like, filter versus keep if? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you make, the, when you want to break from existing precedent, um, you need to have a really strong case. Um, uh, the default, the stat, the default should be stick with what, you know, the existing precedence is. Uh, because that, like, even if it's even if it's a bad name, if it's a bad name that everybody knows to have this meaning, if everybody know, if if all these other programming languages call filter this thing, and if everybody's going to know what that means, then yeah, maybe it's bad. But introducing the new name, you're going to have to teach that to people. Um, I mean, I I I don't know. I I. I do get the argument about yeah, are you filtering in or are you filtering out? Um, and there is some ambiguity there. So, so what's the what's the typical meaning of filter? Is it typical? It filters. It filter? filters in. So, so yeah, like I said, in Haskell or you know, insert any language because they all call it filter. Uh, you know, ra yeah. ranges uh, C plus twenty ranges has a view called filter. If you go filter, you know, pass it your list and then you pass it your predicate. Anything that returns true for the predicate is kept. Um, which is why the proposed name, and so a potential argument to, to um, or rebuttal to when you say, oh, well, now you have to teach the new thing. I'm sure someone that is in, in, in votes for keep if would say, well, you don't even need to teach what keep if means. 
Um, it's obvious. You keep if it meets the predicate. My argument against uh, renaming it is it's the discoverability of it. If I'm going to some new language X and I want to filter something, I'm going to go new language X and search the docs for filter. And it's, you know, uh, potentially if the docs are um, really well written, like D languages docs are, are fantastic because they put at the bottom of every like function, you know, in other languages, this is known as, and then like a, 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 maybe not comprehensive, but I've seen like up to like six or seven different names um, for uh, algorithm names. Um, I, I think that those docs are fantastic. So if you're doing that and you say this in most languages is known as filter and it comes up in the docs really quickly, you know, that's not really uh, a big issue, but I've definitely like when going to other programming languages and, and looking for an algorithm, uh, you know, that, that does partition and it's called something else, you know, it's, it's sometimes tricky to track that stuff down. Um, um I, I would say I, I'd probably be inclined to, to go with, if I was going to pick better names, I'd probably be inclined to go with something like filter in or filter out instead of going to something like keep if just to, uh, like, like, have ha, not have a just plain filter, but have a filter in or an explicit filter in and filter out, or just an explicit filter in, um, just just to retain some of the familiarity of the existing name, you know? Yeah. But it's uh, did so? Did you mention what the what the voted name? Uh, I don't even think you've, you the the very end of your stood function stood function ref and stood. Oh no, I don't. I don't think I did. What's the um, name? What was the name that got voted in? Um, we we settled it on the the name. Well, it's pending a, a final vote, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to move forward with this name, uh, which is move only function. Um, it it and any function. So the the two top two contenders after a few rounds of uh, voting were any any underbar function and move only function. Um, and, uh, the argument for the any underbar function was we want to establish this naming pattern for type erased things. Um, and okay, function isn't the name of a concept, but, uh, you know, any invocable really would have established the pattern for the concepts. And as I mentioned with the way that C++ works by case law, oftentimes, this is how you actually establish a guideline in C++ is you get the first thing uh, to, to, to follow the pattern and then subsequent things uh, uh, just build upon it. But so, so that was the argument, I think, in favor of any function. There were also people who argued that the move, that the name shouldn't reflect the, the move-onlyness of it or the movability of it. Um, but uh, move-only function won the day, and I, I think it's a, um, a good enough name. I think at the end of the day, what happened when we first met in December, um, it was very much not clear whether we were going to get consensus on a name. Um, and we had not only a, a telecon meeting, but we also had, there were mailing list discussions, which... I think must have exceeded 300 emails in length. It probably was more than that. Um, but I think what happened was a lot of people had strong opinions, but at the end of the day, folks have realized that they do not want to, they, they would rather have this feature with a good enough name or at least a name that's not actively bad rather than not have this feature while holding out 
for what they believe is the ideal name. So I think at the end of the day, not everybody is 100% or not everybody thinks move only function is the perfect name, but I think that we all agree that it's a name that is good enough and more importantly, it's not actively bad. It it does not have any active consistency problems. Um uh it uh it fits in nicely with the other names. Um it doesn't it doesn't answer or resolve this question of how should we name type erased um facilities, uh uh type erased wrappers for concepts. It it sort of punts on that question. Um it does it doesn't embed a particular use case into the name as say callback or some of the other suggested names may have. So there were no large problems or negative connotations associated with this name. It's it's good enough. It's consistent, and so I think that's why it's it's going to be what we end up going with. Um, yeah, you know, a, a, another another naming topic that I'll sort of on that that subject of ambiguity um, and overloaded terms. If you pick a name for something that is overloaded with other meanings, um, you might invite critique because somebody thinks that your thing is something different. And the best example of this is C++ coroutines, um, which I, I, I will make a bold claim. I think if this feature that is called C++ coroutines had been given, the, the feature as landed that's called C++ coroutines, not the other proposals, the, the form that we got, if that facility had been given a different name, if the proposal had just called it async await and not uh, uh, coroutines, if the word coroutines hadn't been a part of, of that proposal's title, I think the feature would have shipped in C++ 17. Not, not with any technical ch- changes to the semantics or the syntax. The same feature, just with different branding, I think it would have shipped three years earlier and with a lot less controversy. And the reason for that is that we spent years in a place where people thought that the coroutines proposal, which was for this async await compiler-assisted facility, which lets you do things like generators, etc., lets you do suspendable and resumable functions, lazy functions essentially, People thought that that proposal was competing with other proposals that also used the word coroutine. That people thought that people had different meanings in their heads of what coroutine meant was. There's there was a lot of discussion in the those days of stackful versus stackless coroutines. Um, so, as opposed to an async await facility, the the other form that you might think of is a library that provides you with a way with um a way to create a you know a new stack frame object and then to context switch to it these facilities are used frequently in creating lightweight threading um uh systems um the there's a proposal for this that's going through the committee now and i think it's now called fibers or something like that but at some points in the the life of these proposals it was um, it was called uh, uh, coroutines as well. 
and that that helped ended up holding up all of these different proposals. A lot of these different proposals were not competing. They were not, it was not, you pick one of these two or three coroutine proposals. Um, there were some that were actively competing, but there were a bunch of proposals and we spent a bunch of years held up on a competition between different things because they happened to pick the same name. And if, if those things had picked different names that, that did not have different meanings to different people, I think that all of those features would have advanced a lot quicker. Yeah. So name, names do matter. Naming does matter. So I think, I think what we're going to do is at the tail end of the, the story uh, where we, we revealed it was move only function. Well, that'll be the end of part one. So right now you're listening to part two <laughs> and uh, we'll probably continue this discussion because there was a bunch of things too of uh, neither of us, or I'm not sure, maybe in the midst of um, the stories that have been shared, you have revealed what you think is one of the most surprising sort of namings. Uh, but I'll, I'll save that for our next recording. And then also too, I wanted to mention some stuff about um, naming, naming, naming patterns. Um, like, oh yeah, like that's, sort of, I got I got like three things written down in my notepad. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Well, no, we'll 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 do it. We'll do it. We'll do it in the next recording. But uh, but yeah, no, just, no, no, no. come on. We're 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 warm. We're, we're warm. <laughs> I need to go give in me, like twelve me, minutes. Uh, give, give me those twelve minutes. Give me twelve. Minutes. All right, all right. We can keep going. Uh, so what? So first off, um, uh, <laughs> what is um? Do you have off the top of your head? So I'll, I'll share what mine is. And if you've watched my talks, you you've probably seen this before. So in C++, uh, our reduction is called std accumulate, which definitely not the best name as far as reduction uh, algorithm names goes. And then we call our scan partial sum, at least in C++11. We've, we have parallel versions with uh, different restrictions in C++17 called std, re std reduce and std inclusive scan and std exclusive scan, which are much better names in my opinion. Um, but in... Uh, not just Python now, because, and that's Python. If there's Python developers, uh, probably not. But if, if you're working on the core team, Python needs to pay so much attention to what they, what they name their stuff. Because other languages, whether it's in the core language, the standard library, or just like packages, so many languages just copy what Python does. Um, and an example of this is uh, Python's Accumulate. So Python also has an algorithm. Uh, called accumulate, um, but it is not a reduction; it is a scan. <laughs> uh, so C++'s reduction is called accumulate, and Python's accumulate is our partial sum. And another programming language went ahead and stole this uh, or copied it, and that language is Julia. Their their uh, scan, their generic scan, is called accumulate, which is also when it comes to their scan names, um, they're they're awful in my opinion for multiple reasons, and and they, so they might not have copied Python, at least that's the connection I see, but they obviously Julia, it's sort of a a flavor of the sort of uh, MATLAB and Octave um, sort of uh, scientific and numerical languages, but they have their generic version of a scan called accumulate. And then they have a bunch of specializations, which actually have the binary operation, um, hard coded. So they have like uh, cumprod, which is a, uh, multiplication scan. They have come sum, which is a, uh, addition scan or a plus scan. Um, and I think there's a couple other variants, but like that really bothers me 
because like there's no symmetry between the specialization names or like the specialized versions of the scans and the generic scan. Like I would prefer it um, if it was just like plus accumulate and prod accumulate or some version of that. Like, and a really good example of this is uh, in a APL derivative of a derivative called uh, Q, which is a finance uh, language, or it's 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 an array programming language that's primarily used in finance domains. Um, but I think also like F1 racing also uses it a bit and some other like physics and, and crazy stuff. Um, they have explicit or, you know, ex- explicit versions and specializations of their algorithms, but they're called like sum and sums, max and maxes, prod or PRD and PRDs. So like the specialization reduction is always called like max, sum, or prod, which is three characters. And then the scan version of that just adds an S to the end. And I think that's absolutely beautiful um, because like the symmetry across the speciali- specializations is it's, it's, it's perfect. Like you always know like the three character uh, is a reduction. And then when you add an S to that, you get the scan version. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not a huge fan of super short names. I mean, but you have to understand that like uh, three characters or four characters for an APL derivative, that's a generous, that's a generous number of characters yeah, 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 for, yeah. <laughs> for a language name. In fact, uh, Arthur Whitney, um, who sold, so he, uh, Arthur Whitney's Ken Iverson's protege, he went and wrote K zero through K nine. So there's like eight or nine different dialects of K, uh, K four is basically Q, uh, but Q is just K4 plus words. So K is just like an ASCII APL. So it's single character uh, algorithms and algorithm names. And a company called First Derivatives um, said that they would pay for K4. They wanted to buy it, um, but they wanted words added, which um, is like antithetical to what Arthur Whitney believes in. Like he was just like over my dead body. And then they said, we'll pay you $100 million. And he said, okay. Um, <laughs> and that's a true story that's not that is uh it's a 50 kilobyte program and in the apl community it's regarded as like the most expensive piece of software in the world because it's two million dollars per kilobyte of code um <laughs> anyways anecdote over um what yeah. what's your worst uh uh naming naming uh, or not worst case but just the most surprising like so when i came across the python accumulate i was like fantastic they've got a scan what? and then I, I i typed some code in and i was like what is this um <laughs> that was that was probably the most surprised stood almost nobody's gonna know about this stood this is in c++ c++ standard library stood colon colon messages what do you think it does Stood colon colon messages. Uh, First of all, have you ever heard of it? Before? No, I have not. I don't even know what header it's in. Um, if you well, if you tell me the header, will I have a better idea? You'll ne- you will never guess the header, but let's let's see how far you get. I, I give up already. Like I I mean, I want to say it's yeah. I have no idea. Stood messages. Did it just, yeah. What 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 do you think it has to do with? Like like what would you imagine that a thing called stood messages has to do with? I don't know. Stood messages. I mean, it's, it's some helper function in like IO stream or something like that. I don't know. Um, some helper function for like IO streams. 
uh, you're, 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 you're in the right family. Um, I, if I, if you told me that there was a thing called stood messages and I didn't know anything more about it, I would probably guess it has something to do with like communication library or something like that. The class template stood messages is a standard locale facet that encapsulates retrieval of strings from message catalogs, such as the ones provided by GNU git text or by POSIX cat git s. It is a part of locales. <laughs> I'm not even entirely sure what those things are, but yeah, that, that was, that is a name. That is a name. Damn. And like, 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 it it just it just squatted on that on that territory, like it just said, "Hey, here's a, a you know, like a fairly good name for a thing, like message." And I'm just gonna claim that for all time, instant. Yeah, that is a, that's a land grab for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. T- right. Tweet at us or LinkedIn at us if, uh, if if you knew of that. I'm curious how many people act- actually were aware of stood messages. We should do user feedback and um, and Sean's uh, tweet. Okay, yeah. So uh, the one um, piece of, or I'm not sure if it was feedback, but it was a tweet we got uh, in the last 24 hours from when we're recording this is from Peter Larson on Twitter, who said, I listened to the first seven episodes between Christmas and New Year. I can strongly recommend this podcast if you're interested in programming. Uh, you get information and feel in very good company. So... Thanks, Peter. That's a very kind thing of you to say. And I mean, if you're, it's, it's an endorsement, but if you're listening to this endorsement, you're already listening to the podcast. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> not sure, not sure how we're supposed to get that endorsement out there. Um, uh, and the other thing we wanted to highlight is, uh, well, I don't know. What are we highlighting about this? Just that like, um, so far this has made You're my... just being a fanboy, man. Just being yeah. Fanboy. It's, uh, so far this is like, it's the highlight of the year. Uh, we'll see at the end of 2021 when we do our annual retro. I'll try and cut this in. I'll try to remember to cut this in when we're doing the retro uh, in a year. But yeah, uh, at Sean Parent uh, tweeted at uh, myself and Bryce saying uh, that was a lot of APL uh, with a photo of a hand holding a glass of eggnog. Um, so yes, highlight of the year. I'm not sure if you've got any thoughts that you want to share on that. <laughs> I'll just, uh, <laughs> I feel like I should let Sean know that don't worry, Connor no longer lives in the same city as you. <laughs> I actually, you know what well, I said to my partner? I said that there's a chance that like Bryce paid Sean to do that as like a Christmas gift. <laughs> I did not. Although I, I have to say one day we have to have Sean on the podcast because Sean tells the best programming lore stories of anybody I've ever met by like an order of magnitude. Can confirm. Um, Can confirm. He just like Sean, Sean's one of those uh, hackers who um, he's just worked in like a bunch of really cool companies and just happened to be there at like um, at uh, very interesting times and just has all these great and amazing stories. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had the privilege of having a couple lunches and uh, dinners uh, with Sean, and um, yeah, like it's he'll be telling a story, 
and then uh, you know it's uh, and then we walked into the meeting room at Apple and uh, Steve Jobs was there and you know he was a bit upset and you're wait what <laughs> you walked into a meeting with Steve Jobs well I just it's only a couple times you know uh, and then you realize you know that in all the books if you've read about Steve Jobs uh, I think uh, Isaac Isaacson he wrote like a pretty big one um, you know adjacent to that whole you know story that is Steve Jobs you know Sean Parent. Um, for those of you that don't, that don't know, he works at Adobe, and Adobe sort of is like has a very long history with Apple, um, and uh, and yeah, the stories are just are they're epic. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll have to start. We'll see if we can convince him. We'll have to start like a series uh, where like every every once a month we bring Sean on, and then we just say, uh, "Tell us the story of," <laughs> and then we turn off our mics and we just let Sean talk for uh, an hour or so. Yeah. I don't. I don't hate that idea. I don't hate that idea at all. I feel like that's a pod, right. that's a podcast hack, though. That's like uh, that's just well. I I I'm not above using hacks. Uh, yeah. You got some hat, hat hair there, buddy. Oh yeah, Connor. Every time we've recorded this <laughs> podcast, and every time I've seen Connor, and we we like have a uh, a separate Zoom call like once a week, he's always wearing the same cap on backwards. I'm, okay, now he's wearing it on forward. That's because I'm cool. Like, so the cool kids. I do. haven't seen Connor's hair in uh, like a year. <laughs> and with that, we'll wrap up our second episode on naming. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you in the next episode.